This is Geeks Unleashed, episode 41. So, Berserker, which is spelt with no vowels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Berserker! That's how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 41. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. Each week we cover the news of the week and we pick a couple of things to review that caught our fancy in TV, comics, movies and games. This week's reviews are the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus and our final MonsterVerse movie review, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And spoiler warning, this is a review show. So if you have not had a chance to watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Godzilla, King of the Monsters, you might want to pause this and come back. Then at the very end, we'll give you a couple of recommendations of our own. Awesome. So um, we've got some some good comic book news, actually. Um, some exciting uh, TV and movie stuff that's coming out. Yeah, we got and, a, uh, a little bit of everything this week. So Berserker, which is spelt with no vowels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Berserker! That's how you say uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, which is a comic book that stars Keanu Reeves. <clears throat> written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kinn uh, from Boom Studios. From what I remember, what Matt said was that although he wrote the script, he gave it to Matt, who uh, so gave it to Keanu Reeves, who then played out the script, sort of acted it, <clears throat> and then made t- tweaks to it. So it was a two-way process. I remember yeah. Matt Kinn saying, um, I think it was a Comic-Con last year, saying he was a bit concerned that Keanu Reeves was just going to stick his name on the book. And, and not that, do and anything. Yeah, 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 I remember that. But I don't think Keanu Reeves is that type of guy. So yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so it's the first of a ish, first of a twelve issue miniseries. Came out about two weeks ago. I've read the first issue. I uh, really enjoyed it. It stars. I actually didn't realize it what the book was about. I knew it was going to be like an action crazy fest, mm-hmm. but it, it it's actually stars a sort of a hundred thousand year old man, and um, you see him at the most of the setup is about him going off and fighting and blowing himself up and you can see you know and, and it sort of keeps um narrating the book that he just sort of wants to die mm-hmm. uh, and then something happens in the book where in the first issue where he suddenly remembers his birth and you can imagine being that old you would forget probably being a child and um and then it flashes back to him being a child like in the caveman um times oh my goodness and I, and, I, and I was like wow i was like i did not see that this book was going to go that direction. I thought yeah. it was going to be like a, just a Keanu Reeves killing, killing people book and, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So what's going to happen is um, the the movie, uh, it's going to be a movie and there's going to be an anime TV series. Uh, deals landed at Netflix. So the movie will adapt the 12 issue miniseries and the anime TV series will explore the larger universe this has actually been a really good selling comic, actually. I think it's one of the best selling comics for, for years. I can't remember the numbers now, but um, you've got to think that like, sticking Keanu Reeves yeah. name on a comic is, is obviously going to do well for it, like, yeah. as you as you would with most sort of America, American sort of Hollywood actors. So, um, it's cool because Keanu Reeves, so he he's involved in the comic. He will be voicing the same character in the anime series, and he will also star in the film. So we are getting Keanu, Keanu, Keanu. 
I think when I when I saw this, I was not shocked at all that this was coming. I mm-hmm. um, I, I just always assumed that this would happen as part. Yeah. Of Skyfall. As soon as Keanu was attached to the book, I was like, oh, this is definitely going to become a movie. And like when I was reading the description of it, I haven't read it yet. Um, the the first issue, but when I was reading the description, I was like, oh, this is like Old Guard, but without Charlize Theron. <laughs> have you have you got? Did you pick it up? Or? No, not yet. Um. It is, it is a nice book, actually. Like It, it does look like Keanu in it, which I think mm-hmm. is quite cool. So, um, Anyway, um, I'm excited for it, and I'm quite keen to see the anime, actually. Yeah, so. I think the anime is going to be awesome. Um, in other adaptation news, so to speak, the Hawkeye series that's coming to Disney Plus has already announced its first spinoff before we even get the Hawkeye series. So in development right now at Disney Plus uh, is going to be a character, Echo, um, who was first introduced in Daredevil number nine. Um, This character is Native American and she is deaf. She's one of the only deaf heroes in all of hero-dom. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. and her her run in Daredevil was pretty interesting, obviously, because Matt Murdock is blind. So you've got a deaf hero and a blind hero teaming up to work together. So um, I'm, I'm not so excited about the Hawkeye series. Uh, Hawkeye is kind of meh for me, but uh, I'm super excited about Echo getting getting some uh, getting some love. So that'll be exciting. Also worth noting that Echo also take um, in the comics in um, New Avengers in Brian Michael Bendis's New Avengers run. She took on the um, the Ronin guys, similar to Hawkeye in the um, uh, Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm keen to see. It's maybe more interested for the Hawkeye TV series. I was actually really interested in Hawkeye anyway, uh, the TV series, because I think what they're adapting is Matt Fraction's um, Hawkeye run. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but it's it's really nice. Oh, you should read it. I, um, I think maybe that'll be my next present to you. Or kind of graphic novel. So, um, like, he they're taking a lot from the Hawkeye run where he had Kate as Hawkeye as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the dog pizza dog as well. So I, I did get excited about that actually previously before. But, um, anyway, yeah, no, I, I'm excited that Echo will get her own series. I remember reading Dead of Wish Nine um, uh, by David Mack. Oh, honestly, I think it was like 1999 or 2000 or something. It's a long time ago. Um, but I remember reading that when she first came in, I thought it was a really cool introduction. Like you just said about how you got Matt Murdoch who's blind. And, yeah. And Echo, who's deaf, and that was quite cool. But also, um, like Native American, like we don't get to see too many Native American heroes, especially in like the big, big in the big two. Um, and Dis- Disney, uh, Marvel actually did a uh, Indigenous Voices back in October when it was uh, Native American Heritage Month, and one of the stories in their Indigenous Voices issue was about Echo. So that was a that was a pretty cool that was a pretty cool issue. I enjoyed uh, reading that one. Batwoman, they have. I, I actually wasn't sure what they were going to do about Kate Kane. I, I only watched, I've watched the first two episodes of the new season of Batwoman and I kind of fell a little bit behind. And I'll come to why I fell behind at the end when we do our recommendations because I've, other than watching stuff for this podcast, my attention's been on a massive rewatch <laughs> uh, binge that I've been going through. Um, so I've kind of put all my other shows on hold. I've literally, like where I was watching a lot of stuff weekly, I've literally put 
I've got so much now to watch. So anyway, um, Kate Kane has been recast by a British actress, Wallace Day, uh, who was in the Superman prequel TV series, actually, um, uh, Krypton. And so she will be replacing Ruby Rose. And because I'm a little bit behind, this week's episode actually did bring back the character of Kate Kane, however battered and covered in bandages and stuff like that. So they will show a new looking Kate Kane uh, in the Batwoman TV series. So I'm, I'm glad that Kate's back because I think it was annoying that Bruce Wayne's cousin would have been killed off and it was quite nice to have that link but I wonder what they're going to do. They're clearly not going to have two bat women. Mm-hmm. And I highly doubt that they're going to get rid of Javicia, Um, as she's been, well, she's on the front cover of everything. Post- and it's already been picked up for a third season. Yeah. I, I, I imagine if anything, that they'll just be bringing her in for maybe a three to four episode arc, just to maybe finish off Kate Kane's story. And yeah. maybe sort of have her hand over the mantle of Batwoman to Javicia and, um, or uh, well, Ryan Wilder, obviously, in the, in the show. Maybe, um, maybe they'll give Kate her happy ending and her and Sophie can run off together. Yeah. Ride yeah. off together on a motorcycle like they should have when they were in military school. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Do, do you know, if they're going to do something like that, maybe that's what will happen. Yeah. I, do, I do not think they will kill her off, though. Like, now that they're... Because they're going to the effort of bringing her back. I right. See, I can't see that they're going to kill her off. I think you have to have the closure. So if you're... You could have left it alone if that had been, like, a an overarching theme for the rest of the series. Kind of like, what happened to Bruce Wayne? How they have that? Like, if you just were like, well, what happened to Kay Kane? Like... Is she dead? Is she not dead? We never found the body. Um, but like to keep playing at it and hinting at it, like at this point you have no choice but to bring her back. And and now that she's back, now you have to find a way to bring it to a close. It's quite funny because a couple couple of days ago, or maybe like a week ago, I saw Ruby Rose saying, "Oh, I'd, yeah, I'd come back and do a couple of episodes to finish my character arc." And then they come out with this, so I reckon she must have heard that this was coming out. And, um, and maybe she was like, oh, I can't believe they're getting rid of me. Like, you know, like, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, you know, who fell out with who or whatever happened. But yeah. they, clearly, they clearly were not going to take Ruby Rose back. Right? So um, this was the only inevitable way to go. So it makes you wonder why they just didn't recast in the beginning and just rather than introducing a new character. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. If they're going to go to recast, they may as well just recast it. Nothing right. against uh, the new character, Ron Wilder. I really liked her, but um, I just think if they're going to recast it, they should have just recast earlier on. But I wonder if they wanted to leave a bit of a gap so it wasn't so jarring that, mm-hmm. that uh, Kate came, so uh, slash uh, Ruby Rose was gone. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind that they, that they didn't recast it. Um, but I, I I think not giving a definitive answer when season two started was a mistake. Like just kind of leaving it open, like, oh, that's totally Kate's plane, but like where the hell is Kate? I mean, I, I really think that, that either they should have found her dead or, you know, shown someone bandaged up in a hospital bed, but like completely unconscious. 
yeah, yeah and so like cool somewhere do. somebody knows that kate kane is alive but like we don't know who has her we don't know what's going on like if they had done something like that at the very beginning that would be different i think um, you know like you just said actually that's probably a good thing that would have been a cool thing to have done say almost like a first episode after the credits type thing yeah know, like show like a, a body in a hospital like yeah. a jane, jane doe type thing and and everyone's like oh no that's that's uh kate kane you know yeah. like, and, and then you know maybe every episode they just showed up one scene and then again still you know she's so badly burnt and yeah stuff like, like, and almost every episode show them sort of having to restructure her face and, and things like that and yeah I, mean, I, mean, I wouldn't want them to go down the cheesy whole um amnesia route yeah no like, like so maybe her just be unconscious or in a coma or something yeah like um I think they could have done that if you're going to give a body like give a body but you don't really have to have the context for it just yet yeah. like it could be something like oh she wakes up at the mid-season finale or whatever and and then yeah. you kind of at that point maybe she's like you know what screw it like i'm done with you assholes like i'm leaving peace out yeah. <laughs> you know oh, well, um but I, I, to be honest, i'm glad that they are bringing her back to so that way the character will get a finale of some sort and yeah and probably like a passing of the mantle to Ron Wilder. So yeah. it's making me now want to catch up when I can find the time to catch Ooh, up. I wonder, I wonder if they're gonna end up getting uh getting rid of the the lady who plays Sophie and like they ride off into the sunset. That would be awesome. They deserve a happy ending. Yeah, I, I guess in some ways that's a bit rubbish for the lady who plays Sophie because yeah. she gets written out, but then they do that all the time. I mean, you know, look at Fast and Furious when Paul Walker died, like you know, I, I've forgotten the character's name, but uh, his wife in the films, they oh, yeah, Jordana Brewster, yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. But I know I've seen her in the trailers for the new movie, but she's mm-hmm. had to miss the last two or three films and, and the paychecks that go along with those. Um, <laughs> so but they did that because they wanted to give Paul Walker's character a nice ending. So, um, I'm glad I'm glad that Jordana Brewster's back for the, the last Furious film. I think it's the last one, isn't it? No, there's uh I think we're going to ten. Ten or eleven. They're going for another couple. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even saw something today that said Vin, one of one of Vin Diesel's sons is gonna be oh, in the film playing yeah. like a younger version of uh, Dominic Toretto. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did see something about that. No, I, yeah. I don't mind that. I don't mind there being more Fast Furious films. Um, I just thought they. Were I just think if if they have brought everybody and their mother back from the dead, you brought Han back from the dead. You like, why can't you bring Giselle back? Like, someone get Gal Gadot. Like, like take a break from filming any kind of Justice League or Wonder Woman stuff, and just like come back to the Fast franchise, please, Gal, please. Uh, I'd, I'd love it if she came back. I, I was a bit annoyed when they killed her off. Me too. To be honest, so. I, it was, I know that they were heading that way because they wanted to catch up with, to, um, what's it called, uh, Tokyo Drift. Um, I'm glad that he's back, though. So, yeah, I mean, I love, I mean, I love all of the characters from Fast and the Furious. Like, I've been watching this franchise since I was 16 years old. Like, I love this franchise. Well, we, we've massively deviated from that <laughs> woman now. <laughs> so, um, oh, do you know, one day we should try and work our way through. Do you know, those Fast and Furious. Say the word. Guys. You say the word and I'm ready. We've, I've rewatched those films. Like, do you know, there's the Fast and Furious franchise I've rewatched, I don't know, 10 or 20 times. Yeah. The Mission, the Mission Impossible franchise I've probably watched, I don't know. Maybe not the first one. The first one's rubbish, but um, the second one is okay. But three onwards were just so good. Like, uh, those films, there's probably so many. Back to the Future, I'm probably on about my 300th watch, you know, like, so. Well, once uh, was enough uh, for me. Uh, oh, really? 
Yeah. Master of Future's got to be the best trilogy ever made. Well, uh, incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No way. I will not concede that. <laughs> I should have a mute button now. <laughs> Jasmine is no longer on the podcast for the rest of the episode. <laughs> well, no, just, just, just for this point. Um, yeah, if my brother was on this podcast, he'd be going about the best movie ever made was um, uh, Dolph, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren's Masters of the Universe. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um i love that movie like it's a, like we constantly joke about how do you reckon they ran out of money halfway through like the movie <laughs> like, like and because like obviously they're on uh, maternia and then they flick over to earth and it's like somebody in the studio went oh we've run out of money what are we gonna do ah oh, he-man goes to earth <laughs> 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 um but oh, master of the universe was a good film though like, was, i have never seen it Oh, you've never seen it. No, but I do. I do love Dolph Lundgren, and like me and my family, we quote uh, Rocky Two. Is it Rocky Two? To each other all the time, where uh, he's fighting Creed, and, or before he fights Creed, and like if he dies, he dies. Oh, I can't remember that movie. It's so, I've only watched it like once or something a long <sighs> time ago. But no, oh, Master of the Universe. You've never seen that film. Mm-mm. I must have watched that like 30, 30 or 40 times as well. Like that, that, that was a film like that's like, you know, when you're a child, you've got films like childhood films. That was mm-hmm. Back, to the, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, um, Master of the Universe. Like My uh, childhood films were <laughs> Forrest Gump, uh, Mortal Kombat, oh, <laughs> Robin Hood, Men in Tights. <laughs> oh, my. It's getting worse. <laughs> 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 Forrest Gump was okay. I watched that once. I think. Oh my god! Uh, Forrest Gump is my favorite uh, movie of all time. Oh no! You, ever <laughs> you, watched Master you said, "Oh no!" <laughs> you haven't watched Master of the Universe. That's probably the problem. Uh, you need to watch Master of the Universe. You'll change I, your mind. Oh, uh, we'll see. Okay, I, I, I'll accept that challenge. We'll see. Do you know Courtney Cox is in that film? No, I had no idea. Before Friends, <laughs> obviously. Obviously, before friends. <laughs> I used to watch the He Man cartoon. I never, I've never seen a He Man movie. It was really annoying that they never made a sequel to Master of the Universe. So I don't know. Um, I won't be happy until they bring Thundercats back. So. I love Thundercats. I um, they did bring it back once, but oh, I saw that they're bringing it back as a cartoon, but like a joke, sort of Ren and Stimpy type cartoon. And I Gross, like, oh. that's not, not well, no. maybe not, not like not that bad, but the art was like just no other way to describe it other than shitty looking Ugh. and like and like like child, really childish, mm-hmm. like a sort of like a six year old, like Rick and Morty, yeah, something. Well, maybe, yeah, I mean, but not obviously, not it's not for adults, but like it, it's really like dumbed down, it looked like a dumbed down kids thing. Um, I did see something like that, and I was like, oh no, I think uh, anyway, but yeah, they need to bring Thundercats back as an actual, like, I mean, they'll never make it adult, but they should make it so that it's could be watched by like teenagers That's they totally sense. should i mean netflix did a great job with the uh, remaking voltron uh, yeah yeah something like that would be cool mm-hmm. so, that's actually something i want to watch like my two Hi- wa- highly recommend my two watch and two read lists are ever ever growing your girls might actually like voltron too yeah yeah i well i, I want to watch uh, that i was actually thinking i need to try and work through the star wars cartoons i know we've discussed this off yeah. podcast but i was actually <laughs> thinking about trying to maybe even just 
put in a time in the week that we'd start working our way through like the Clone Wars or something mm-hmm. like that. So anyway, let's uh, move on to our reviews. A few months ago, billions of people reappeared after five years away, sending the world into turmoil. We need new heroes. One suited for the times we're in. Our first review is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, on Disney Plus. So, well, this has been well anticipated. Mm-hmm. And it should have come out last year, but it should have come uh, out before WandaVision. Yeah. Um, and I think it would have been better had this have come out before WandaVision. So, and I think people people were a little bit disappointed initially by WandaVision. Um because obviously the setup was very different from how it ended. Right. And, um, so I'm glad though that I, I'm glad, I don't know, I would rewatch WandaVision actually now and appreciate those first two episodes. So anyway, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was created by um, Malcolm Spellman, but it's based off characters from the Marvel comics, um, from obviously from the comics. It's directed by uh, Carrie. Scotland. Uh, it stars Anthony Mack as the Falcon and Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier. And there's a bunch of other people in here. And Don Cheadle reprises his role as War Machine. Mm-hmm. That annoys me so much about Don Cheadle. The, the recasting? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, do you know what? I like Don Cheadle, like, but I kind of, I'll come to this in a minute actually when I was thinking about the whole legacy of Captain America and Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So this is the first episode of a six issue sorry six episode uh miniseries which is going to be released weekly in this first episode both our two main characters do not spend any screen time together Mm-mm. um which is fine well, i was actually happy with that because they, they the episode flips between both characters yeah and, there's a lot of setup yeah so i think we get actually 20 minutes in before we see the winter soldier so it's mainly around the falcon mm-hmm. falcon has a hugely action-packed beginning oh which um, is awesome yeah yeah no it's good it's very anthony macker thought though like um i don't know i don't know if you've seen he was in a film recently on netflix where he plays um a robot or cyborg or something mm-hmm. like that um i forgot the name of it now did you see it no i haven't seen it oh okay yeah like it kind of just made me think like he was he's very samey anthony mack in whatever he's in i think um but he's, he's a good soldier action type actor and um it was a really good beginning honestly i thought it was really cool just he had to go and rescue this guy um from plane and ends up sneaking on board as the falcon he throws in a little bit of comedy as he's doing it like you know and i, I love the bit where he sort of lands on top of the plane sneaks a little look in the window and you know it's almost a little bit comical and yeah and I, 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 love, <laughs> I love that i love how they've adapted um red wing um for for the tv show so i know in the comics red wing is actually a bird mm-hmm. uh, which is just probably ridiculous really <laughs> like, yeah. um and then but red wing in in the uh the tv show is actually a little a electronic a little, yeah, yeah a dr- basically a drone yeah like a little electronic bird that he shoots off his backpack and it sort of has lasers and cuts onto the to the plane and he gets on and <clears throat> it's a fairly cool sort of i want to say like a 10 15 uh, maybe 10 10 12 minute sequence mm-hmm. uh and then you follow that up with him sort of um giving a speech about captain america um handing the shield across 
having a moment with Don Cheadle um, and they're walking through like a Captain America sort of uh, museum and, and uh, display. And um, before that action sequence, so he is sort of, there's a quiet moment of him doing ironing his shirt, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the, that moment was probably before his speech. And then we sort of, this action sequence was kind of separate. You know? um, and so he said something about, the, the the shield not being for him it didn't you know it wasn't it didn't feel right because it didn't feel like it was his so he doesn't feel like he's Captain America which I think a lot of this miniseries is going to be about him or potentially the Winter Soldier becoming Captain America mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaning towards the Falcon becoming Captain America but I think they're kind of maybe setting it up that we don't know who will become Captain America it could Maybe they'll maybe they'll fool us, and the Winter Soldier will end up becoming Captain America. So well, eventually um, in the comics, they both end up taking the mantle at some point. Yeah, they do, they do. Yeah, so the Winter Soldier um, has been Captain America, and so has the Falcon at, at different points. So it could go either way, and I think that's kind of how I think this show is set. I think they're setting it up that, that we'll think it's the Falcon. So maybe it won't be, but I I do think it's going to be the Falcon. I don't think they're going to go with the Winter Soldier. Um, well, have you got a view on who you think it will be? Do you think it will be the Falcon? Uh, I think it's definitely going to be Falcon, but I'm wondering if I'm wondering if Marvel has the depth to bring the nuance that would come with a black man taking over the mantle of Captain America. Like, I don't uh, want them to just give it to Falcon and it's just like, oh, everything's great. It's totally the same well, and we're going to, you know. Like I, well, I, I think, want you to address I, a lot I, of the stuff that comes with that. Well, I think they're going to be more about because I don't. I don't think he feels like he's earned the title of Captain America, mm-hmm. and that's what I think this whole show is very much based on the legacy of Captain America, the franchise Captain America, the movies, but also yeah. Captain America in the Marvel universe um, right. as a as a as an icon, and obviously that is a a big thing to you know, if Captain America was real, I mean, can you imagine if he was real, like a real soldier mm-hmm. who, who was so selfless that, you know, that he crashed a missile into the ocean and lost 70 years of his life to try and save America. And, you know, he, he did a lot, except obviously in the end, he finally thought, actually, I want a little bit for myself, which he deserved, you know, Steve Rogers, yeah. Steve Rogers did a lot for everybody. And this show is very much about that. So when Don Cheadle and, uh, Anthony Mack's characters are walking through that sort of Captain America homage and mm-hmm. see pictures of Bucky Barnes um, from mm-hmm. 1940s and, and sort of different um, black and white images and some comic book um, covers turned into posters in that little archive and they're sort of having a little bit of a talk and I did at, at this point I thought Don Cheadle and Anthony Mack are very much carrying the on their shoulders carrying the legacy of Iron Man and Captain America. And, mm-hmm. and, and with Anthony Mack, I can believe him being Captain America. And don't get me wrong, Don Cheadle isn't going to be replacing Iron Man. He's going to be War Machine. But I was like, oh, man, Terrence Howard would be much better to have rested our, <laughs> rested our, our, our legacy of Captain America on. Don Cheadle's just so tiny. Like, and at least Terrence Howard's, you know, got some shoulders on him. Like, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, T- T- Terrence Howard, you could build another franchise around him. I just, I don't know, I, don't, I can't get on board with Don Cheadle. Like, he's a comedy man. Like, Terrence Howard could do comedy and action. Like, I mean, I don't know, John Cheadle just, Don Cheadle looks like I could sort of wrestle him with my little finger. And, like, That's you know, why he wears the suit. <laughs> no, I, no, I know, I know. But I mean, but like, you know, Terrence Howard comes across a bit more action-y, like, you know, without the suit. 
like, I don't know, like, I, I, I was never really against the recasting. Like, I had never a problem with it up until, like, that moment when I just saw how tiny Don Cheadle looks. <laughs> like, maybe Anthony Mack's just, like, the wrong person for him to get, be against. Anthony Mack's, like, clearly a guy who works out four times a day. Like, and, and Don Cheadle probably works out about once a year. Like, don't, I'm not one to judge. Like, I'm, not, I'm, not one to, I'm not one to judge. Like, but, like, our, our apologies uh, to Don Cheadle. <laughs> I'm sure I he's a nice Cheadle, though. I think he's so great. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Like, I wasn't saying he, like, you know, well, I, I actually, uh, well, I mean, to your point, Tony is no longer around, but I thought that Don and uh, Robert Downey Jr. had a much better chemistry than Terrence Howard and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, no, that's why I didn't ever really. He was a good second man, though. That's the thing. He was a good second man to Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. But now, where we're building the legacy of those characters, I think Anthony Mack could carry a Captain America film. And, and no one's talking about an Iron Man 4 but, or a War Machine movie. I know they're talking about an Armoury um, Armory miniseries on Disney+, Plus, which maybe that's obviously what Don Cheadle's going to end up doing. Um, and, you know, there's Ironheart, which is a totally yeah, new know. version of... Uh... Iron Man, yeah, yeah. Like, like an Iron Girl type character, but I, I'm, but obviously that'd be a new actress, but obviously Don Cheadle mm-hmm. will be in it, and maybe that'll be fine because he'll be a second, yeah, he's a good supporting actor, like he's not a main character, oh no, sorry it was just my whole beef, and I'm really distracted from talking about this whole episode, but I was like, I know Don Cheadle had like three minutes in this whole episode, and I was, yeah, uh, I mean I, I really like Rhodey, I've, <sighs> I've always liked Rhodey and whether it was Terrence Howard or uh, Don Cheadle, but my my beef with Rhodey in this episode is, bro, you didn't even give him a heads up. Like, look, man, if you don't, if you really don't take this shield, they're gonna put some schmuck in in oh, this yeah, suit and yeah. give him the shield if you don't accept it. Like, yeah, but then you wouldn't have had the cliffhanger ending that. I guess, but like, <laughs> I just feel like, I just feel like Anthony Mackie or I, like Sam deserved a heads up or something. Like, yo, man, I just. I understand where you're coming from. I know that this is a lot of weight to carry, but here's the deal. If it ain't you, it's going to be some dude named after whiskey. Like, for real. It's going to be some Johnny Walker dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> making me laugh now. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to be fair, like, I mean, at that point, they probably knew if, if it wasn't going to be the Falcon or it was unlikely. I don't feel the government had the trust to put Winter Soldier in there. So, no, not at so, all. After that moment, we kind of then get to spend a bit of time with the Winter Soldier, initially in a flashback, which actually turns out to be a nightmare. However, that sets up where the Winter Soldier is kind of living with his demons. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get this really cool uh, moment of the Winter Soldier set potentially, well, it would have been more than five years ago because of the blip, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it was quite a while back. Got to be yeah. in the last 10 When he years. was in the midst of being a Hydra yeah. agent. Yeah. And so he kills a bunch of people. But unfortunately, a little um, a sort of a teenager, early 20s guy, witnesses him uh, do the murders. Winter Soldier kills him with no remorse because Winter Soldier was a Hydra agent, like say. And then he wakes up in a nightmare. Then we see him as a sort of meeting up with this older uh, Japanese guy going for sushi and having quite a nice little bonded moment together. And, you know, the, the, the older guy actually sets um, uh, Bucky Barnes up on a date, which I thought yeah. was quite cool. Yeah. Like, and, um, and but that was really funny because Bucky was like, I can't just jump into it. Like there's got to be courting and there has to be dancing. 
And he's like, I haven't dated anybody in 70 years. Like, and they like they like they all thought he was joking. Like, oh, how yeah. old are you? Like like a hundred and something. It's yeah. like, nah, nah, man. Like, like, <laughs> I never get why people are like honest and stuff like this. Like, you know, I was when I, I talk about a show that I you know when we do the recommendations, but um was going to talk about something else and then you know when they when they're overly honest about their their superhero background i'm like mm-hmm. come on man i'm like, like you know people don't get or think they or they think you're insane just maybe right. like tone down the truth like, yeah um so um <laughs> but i thought it was done really well and obviously it turns out that the old japanese guy is the father of the guy he killed yeah. uh, very similar in a vein to when we had the flashback of him killing um tony stark's um, yeah. parents in the, in the car accident and we get to see that later so i'm assuming at some point he may confess that to the dad but we get to see him sitting with a psychiatrist and that's actually quite humorous and he's talking about the, the, the rules that him and the psychiatrist have set up mm-hmm. and it sort of flashes off to the fact that he's not listening to a single one of these rules yeah. like, so, well I mean yeah, kind of he, he's kind staying of. slightly within the rules yeah, yeah. Or, or, but, he's, but, he's not uh, totally them. breaking he's be- them he's yeah, bending yeah, bending. Them. Good. Yeah, that's a good but, way to say it Yeah, bending those rules yeah. and, um, so, but, and, and, and the kind of the show does uh, the first episode does flip between the two characters and showing what I think was actually was quite nice was to show not just that them living off the legacy but living off of um, the fallout of Endgame and right. that in, and that fallout isn't just about who the new Captain America is and it's also showing that obviously life goes on the Falcons having to take down terrorism and stuff like that um, whilst the Winter Soldier is trying to rebuild his own mental health and mm-hmm. and find a way to live in a time that's not his own you know right. like you said courtship and things like that um, so but one of the there was a couple of moments now I thought was cool firstly the blip so I thought it was brilliant that this is doing something this show well well uh, spider-man far from home did it one division did it um, a little bit and now this is still referencing the blip and, mm-hmm. and what a big event that was and let's be honest that is a big event five yeah. years half the population disappearing and then five years later they all come back again um so when i've when i've been reading comics since i want to say like 1995 regularly and i remember the first ever comic book event i ever read um was a comic book event called onslaught and so that ended with all of the marvel uh superheroes disappearing for um 12 months actually it was 12 months they disappeared for um so that was Iron Man, Captain America, all of the Avengers, the events split the Hulk into two. Um, it was a big thing. Anyway, they came back and literally it was kind of swept under the rug. Like, mm. They all sort of got on with their lives. Like, oh, the Fantastic Four as well. It was all swept up. And I was like, even as a comic book fan, I was like, why are they not making a big deal out of this? Like, right. You disappeared like for five or 12 months. 12, 12 months. Imagine if I just disappeared for 12 months and I came back again. I mean, people would be going, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know. And so what I love is actually that this show is showing sort of the repercussions again, but from a different angle and an angle right. I hadn't even thought of. So the Falcon is feeling guilty that he neglected his family. And it's quite nice that they're showing a little bit about his background, mm-hmm. his sister and the family business. And they, they go to get a bank loan. And the guy was like, well, you've had no income for five years. I mean, that bit I did think was a bit ridiculous because like, you know, he, he's been back a period of time. So he would have had at least three to six months worth of pay slips. I mean, who cares about the last Who's paying years? him though? Yeah, well, he, when he was off 
with the military, this is what annoyed me a little bit. Clearly, it doesn't do that for free, right? Yeah, I know like being a superhero doesn't pay money, but when he's doing military stuff, surely he, he gets paid, right? But I'm, I'm assuming that he did say a lot of goodwill goes, <clears throat> but I mean, you know, when you're doing military stuff, surely they've got to pay you something. Like, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I don't know. It, they, they give the impression that in this universe, that they pay you in equipment. So perhaps the military has upgraded his Falcon wings. They have obviously upgraded his drone based on Stark technology. But, but what else are they giving him? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, because I thought, well, he was in the military before. And that's how he ended up becoming the Falcon. So he had a salary then. So surely he still has a salary. But he had stopped working for the military and he was like the head of that. Oh, because uh, he went on the run, didn't he? No, like, he didn't go on the run, but he left because uh, that But like he started that support group for people coming back to, you know, the U.S. after serving overseas. Um, and that's where that's where he met or that's uh, Steve came to one of those things and that's how they got closer because he was like oh, yeah, yeah. i just got tired of taking orders from other people yeah okay so maybe he doesn't have an income then which then how do you go to the bank for a loan that you can't service if you've got no income i mean that's just common sense right like, well but at the same time well, <laughs> like you feel like wouldn't your likeness or wouldn't your i don't know like the, it really it really kind of made me think so like after after i finished the episode i just kind of just sat with myself for a while and i was like how the hell do these people live? Like, how, how do they how do they pay rent? How do they? Well, maybe, maybe before Tony Stark used to maybe give him money, and now he's gone. Like, because obviously he was a billionaire, so maybe he used to fund them. So uh, that's all I can think is that maybe he just gave them money. But, well, but also... yeah, everything because like the Avengers complex and all that stuff, all of that stuff was financed by Tony Stark, one hundred percent. But i mean just what about in their daily lives like when you were living in the avengers complex before it got destroyed when you were living there because falcon it, they made it seem like falcon was living there because that's how he met ant-man for the first time yeah like i'm sure everything's taken care of like you don't have to worry about food you don't have to worry about rent and again like all of your equipment is taken care of but living on like you're still not earning an income you're just kind of you're you're living there and you're being taken care of and then you have sort of a purpose because you're part of a team and you go out and you help people um but like when you lose that stability then what mm. oh, i guess we're not going to get the answer but i guess in my mind it doesn't matter whether you've been gone or not five years if you've got no income you can't go to the bank and expect to borrow money like you don't have income but what i was wondering was what's his sister's income like so i, I don't know but also if, if he was been paid by tony stark surely pepper potts is paying them so What's she doing? Just rolling around in like a, a vault or something like that. But it like, also could so. be a pride thing. Like maybe you don't want to go to your friends and be like, yo, can I, you know, like my family's well, yeah. boat is going under. Like you want to give us a million dollar loan so that we can kind of fix this? Well, yeah. And I think that's kind of Anthony Mack who's, mm -hmm. if he is gearing to becoming Captain America, isn't likely just to rock up and say, can I have some cash, please? Like, yeah. You know, um, that's not the kind of thing, you know, you can imagine that's not a sort of a Captain America or Superman type thing to do. You know, those yeah. kind of Captain America and Superman to me are both the ideal superhero and they're not the and they don't go to their Bruce Wayne or their Tony Stark and ask for cash. They kind mm. of are happy for their business to go under or whatever it is, because like you say, they wanna they want to save everyone themselves. They don't want to go to the rich their rich mate and ask for help. So Clark Kent has a part-time uh, job at the Daily Planet. Just saying. So Clark Kent gets a paycheck. 
Yeah, well, one, and, and, but he gets fired. <laughs> he gets fired fairly regularly. But anyway, so, like, uh, anyway, but so like I say, the show goes in between each of them, and it's quite nice to see those moments. But also at the same time, we've got Falcon's mate who uh, we saw at the very beginning uh, when he, after the little battle in the sky, he's sitting down repairing Red Wing. His mate is showing him this, um, what do you call it, that thing on your phone? I don't know. Oh, it's like him, altered reality. Yeah, altered reality. Yeah, showing mm-hmm. you can sort of move this around and you can see where these symbols are like on the wall, the altered reality thing. Um Oh, yeah, and he does make a cool joke, actually, which I thought was quite funny about Captain America. You know, is he still alive? Did you guys take him up to the moon, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And I was, like, thinking, oh, come on, man, I'm waiting for a two-pack joke here. Like, you know. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, so he um, he goes, he has his own little story, and he kind of talks about how there's these, again, because of the blip, saying that these people think it's better that actually that we didn't come back, that it was actually nicer while we were gone. Mm-hmm. And actually, I did think, well, that's what Thanos was saying. Like the world would be better off. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it was, maybe it was better with 50% of the population gone. You know, um, you can imagine that there was a lot more resources and, um, you know, it probably was a lot, and probably a lot more jobs available and things like that. And suddenly 50% of the population come back. Well, we've got to find jobs for these people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, so the repercussions were, as the guy in the bank said, financial, there's been implications, but then there's also political things that have happened as well. So these people called like flag smashers. Mm-hmm. And and you, so you, you then see him later on join, well, kind, kind of join in slash spying on a riot that goes on. And and it's you can see that's building up towards probably Zemo coming <clears> in <throat> later on in the miniseries. Mm-hmm. And then the episode ends with this cliffhanger of... Um, the Falcon seeing the new Captain America being introduced on TV and um, who we know is going to become US agent, which is like you say, it's a character called Johnny Walker. Um, and you can see that he's going to be some sort of dick. Like, you know, he's got that, <laughs> he's got that look on his face. He uh, has the look. It's so uh, true. When, uh, when he first panned up to his face, I was like, who the fuck is this dollar store replacement Captain America? Who is this guy? I didn't know that's where they were going. I didn't realize they were going to do that. Like, so I think, so it made me think about the whole episode was around legacy. <clears> and, <throat> and, and what it's kind of doing now is actually saying to the Falcon, you didn't step up. But now you've got to step up. Like, right. so I'm assuming over the next couple of episodes, this, like you say, this replace with Captain America is going to be more and more of a dig. Um, and the Falcon may have to take him down or something like that. And it's like probably going to be, well, if he can't be Captain America, who's going to be Captain America? Like, right. So I'm thinking it's going to be Falcon. So, yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what I am looking forward to is Falcon stepping up into the role. I so overall, I really enjoyed this show. I think <clears> it was clearly had movie money thrown at it. It was not TV TV money thrown at it. They <laughs> threw through a you know they threw event not Avengers level, but they threw sort of I would say a good at the very least Thor two money at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, it was it was it was really well done. I really thought yeah. put together. It was the direction was good. I think the the flip flop in between both characters, the background um, that we got, like you say, Winter Soldiers, you know, his living with his demons, that kind of thing. I think it was done well to see how he's trying to live in a time that's not his own. I think it was good to see actually background for the Falcon meeting his family. You know, it was, I thought it was all done really well. My only disappointment thing was when the ending came. I was like, oh, 
tiles and I, uh, yeah and uh, I was like oh more but you know again I can't complain because actually I do think it's quite nice to and I said this before about WandaVision like it was quite nice to have something to look forward to once a week so this mm-hmm. Friday I'm like looking forward to seeing the second episode um and did you know that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the most watched series premiere ever for Disney Plus so, I believe that people have always been excited about this duo people have always been excited about this show and when this show got shelved at the very beginning of corona when it was kind of like "Eh, we're gonna delay it like you said this show was supposed to come out last year this show should have been out six months before wandavision i mean that was the original timeline so but because of covid and the logistics of it they couldn't finish this series and therefore we got WandaVision first. So I think WandaVision was kind of like the appetizer. And this was the dish that everybody was ready for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think of all the sort of Avengers and MCU TV series for Disney Plus, I think people were most looking forward to this one specifically. For me, this was like a real, like, you know, if you were having like a playlist, you know, like this is like a deep cut, like Avengers, yeah. you know, this was, this was actually, it was almost like an Avengers movie but focusing on two characters yeah but this this is the the marvel that people have gotten used to right wandavision Mm. at first especially was sort of very experimental very different than what people were used to but big budget explosions giant action sequences that's the kind of stuff that people love to see Mm -hmm. i think once you got past the first three or four episodes of WandaVision, you then got into, actually, this is the normal Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wanted to sort of change it up a bit. But I think a lot of it was, how can we bring Vision back in a way in which it's just not bringing him back, which undoes what happened in Endgame. So, yes. but I think with WandaVision as well, we were showing how grief really affected Wanda uh, and also really affected somebody so like a powerhouse like Wanda mm-hmm. um, and what her powers could do and, you know, alter reality essentially, which, you know, which I knew from reading the comics and stuff. But this show here is dealing with, I would say, I know it's Avengers and it's comic book, but a much more grounded approach yes. to the repercussions of Endgame. So. Yeah, and I think it especially resonates coming off of a pandemic. I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but people can relate to these issues at this point, right? Yeah. People can relate to not being able to pay their bills, to having to struggle to make sure that there's food on the table. It's you, You've taken the superhero genre down to a level that's a hundred percent relatable across all kinds of like uh, racial backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds. Like pe- people can understand what they're going through. Um, so I think making it this kind of relatable is, is going to end up keeping a lot of that audience. Like a lot of people watch the first episode. I think it's going to, it might not stay that high, but I think it's not going to have a big drop off t- from the first episode to the second episode. Mm, yeah so i i enjoyed it i think it was great i loved seeing the background of these characters and we rated this four out of five uh mainly mainly didn't get a five just because well we we wanted more we w- so. well yeah we want to know where it's going <laughs> but like this series really did make me think like about other superhero kind of stuff and like the only thing i could think of to compare it to was the boys and the the boys is the only superhero kind of thing other than heroes for hire which is so far just a comic. It's not actually been brought to TV. But the boys actually 
get paid, like the soups get paid because they work for a corporation. The mm. corporation, Vought, pays the superheroes to be on their team. And if it's not Vought, it's some other corporation that pays superheroes to be on their team. But like, what, what does that look like for everyone else? Like, what happens when superheroes get sick? Do they have health insurance? Who's paying for the health insurance? Are they paying for the health insurance? Like, how how does how does any of the how do these people live? And then I started well, thinking you need, like you need a Rosie Dawson uh, night night nurse. <laughs> like <laughs> Rosie that, Dawson. But that's the question, right? Like, of course, Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne—they're billionaires, so money is no object to them. But then you got people, like I said, Clark Kent works at the Daily Planet; he gets a paycheck. Barry Allen works at a at a crime lab for the city. Um, uh, even Diana like works in and out of museums occasionally. It's like these heroes have part-time jobs and then they're still expected to put their lives on the line but they don't get anything out of it and actually shazam kind of addresses it because um when when billy is sort of in shazam form he's kind of like hey you want a picture five dollars and the (laughs) other kid is like you shouldn't be charging people to take pictures man he's like how do superheroes make money come on you know there's just reminded me there's a scene in um a comic, I think it's uh, either Spy- Amazing Spider-Man or New Avengers. It, it was uh, it was quite a while ago. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I can't remember which one it was. But um, Iron Man is trying to convince Spider-Man to join the Avengers, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, "I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, man." And like, in the end, Tony starts, "Look, man, we've got money." Like, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spider-Man never has any money, and you just yeah, see yeah. like Spider-Man like hug Iron Man. Cause he's like, "What? I'm gonna get yeah. paid?" Like, you know, like yeah, so, that's that's like I mean. It, I guess I never asked myself the question before, but the fact that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of brought it to the forefront, like literally Sam Wilson is a freaking hero, not just an American hero. He's, he's helped save the freaking world. And you mean to tell me that he's going to come sit in your bank and, and just because he was caught up in the blip, you think that he is irresponsible and that he's going to run out on a loan when you could literally find him on TV. Like seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's actually a conversation I've had with my wife fairly recently. It was about heroes and stuff like that. What you know, um, oh, I want to cover it in my recommendations, but like, um, you know, actually being a hero isn't just a profession; it's a calling. Yeah. Like, you know, and there, there are people out there now, like even mm-hmm. in the real world, that they're not superheroes, but they are heroes. There are volunteers out there that, mm-hmm. that, that to give up their lives, whether that's uh, for a religious reason or you know doing something for a cause of some kind and, and you know there are there are people that literally will you know even look at nuns or you know or, or, or monks and things like that they have a calling um for something and, and they they sort of say goodbye to personal possessions and relationships because they they feel there's something they want to do and and even some people that are in the medical profession even like like you just said about the pandemic i've seen seen things on the news about like medical professionals that stayed away from their family just so mm-hmm. they could help out on wards during um obviously the last 12 months it takes a special kind of person to make that sacrifice yeah and to to think that people make that sacrifice and then no one gives a shit when that person actually needs help it's it's kind of frustrating you know like like literally this, this guy is sitting there and fanboying over the fact that sam wilson is sitting in front of him yet none none of what he sees with his own eyes matters because on paper sam wilson is a bad bet but the thing is i guess it's he's only talking to an employee that employee can't just go and do give money out like i mean 
yeah, I mean, even the even the branch manager wouldn't just be able to go, yeah, man, here's 40 grand. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, they're talking to the wrong people. Like, you know, an employee at the end of the day is just an employee. Like, you know, Yeah, so. but some manager could have gotten involved and been like, yo, man, look, maybe I can't give you this much, but I can give you this much if you do some, like, TV spots for yeah, us well, or if well, you some... trade us some something, maybe we can work this out. But this, is, well, this is where they're talking to the wrong person because that guy's clearly a bit of a dick and just wants mm-hmm. some selfies. If they were talking to somebody good in finance, they could say, look, okay, right now, as it stands, I can't lend you any money. However, like, business plan, you know, this is what we need from you sh- to show an income or, you know, come back to us in three months' time once you've done X, Y, and Z. And also then we've got some forecasts and that kind of thing, you know, like, you know, from people in that, in that industry would have experience of, mm-hmm. of knowing how to support someone if you think they're a good bet. And, you know, someone like, let's say, the Falcon, if you did a couple of TV spots, probably could actually not need to borrow the money. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you mean you- to tell me, Mark, that if Sam Wilson walked into a bank and you were there, you would turn him away? Uh, well, Sam Wilson, um, <laughs> it would obviously be doing personal finance, which <laughs> I would not be getting involved in. So, um, anyway, let's talk about monsters. The specimen at this site has been kept entirely off book. And since it's a more recent discovery, our data is limited. But it seems to be another apex predator. Emma called it Monster Zero. It may have been a rival alpha to Godzilla battling for dominance over the other titans so the third and final so far film in our march monster movie mashup we are catching up with godzilla king of monsters um this film came out in 2019 it is directed by michael doggerty the screenplay was written by michael doggerty and zach shields the story is by max bornstein michael doggerty and zach shields now max bornstein also did the screenplay for the 2014 godzilla as well this stars Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Watanabe, uh, Zhang Zizi, Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins, Charles Dance, Thomas Middlech, Aisha Hines, O'Shea Jackson Jr., and David Strathairn. So there are quite a few people in this 2019 film that were in the 2014 film as well. Mm-hmm. So the continuity is, is very easy to keep up with. Um, and while there are no people from Kong Skull Island, since that technically would have taken place 40 or 50 years before this film um they do make quite a few references to some of the events of skull island and some of the lore that was covered in kong skull island so the continuity just continues to get better and better as these films progress so it makes me even more excited for godzilla versus kong um so again very much a continuation from 2014 this film actually opens with the ending sequence of the 2014 film um so kyle chandler vera farmiga and millie bobby brown are family that live in san francisco at the time when godzilla is fighting muto and their home is devastated and in that process their son dies and so they kind of you know it's devastating to to lose a child especially to (laughs) giant freaking monsters trampling your city um but we immediately kind of fast forward to five years and after five years the family is not together anymore uh millie and vera live together and kyle is off somewhere being a nature photographer so they did used to work for monarch they had designed some sort of uh sonar 
type equipment in in college uh, and that's what got them noticed by Monarch in the first place but after their son died um, Mark leaves Monarch completely and is just like you know what I can't do this anymore well um, Emma who is the wife no, is Emma the daughter? Emma Emma Russell is is, uh, is uh, Vera's character, and Madison is Millie's Madison. character. Madison. Okay, there we go. Got it now. So, Mark leaves, decides he doesn't want to do any of this anymore. Uh, Emma stays with Monarch, keeps keeps working at it, and Madison is just kind of along for the ride. But as the film goes on, we kind of learn that Emma's a bit of a radical. And she is actually the one that hired this group of eco-terrorists, which is led by Charles Dance. Um, and so they decide that they're going to work together because she thinks that the world has reached its breaking point. It is beyond saving. There are too many people. There are too many problems. Really, she should have called Thanos because they should have had to, they could have had some conversations about that. Um, if Thanos had done it, it would have been a lot you know, clean, uh, <laughs> not you know, so many cities being devastated. No, no, no. At least when he snapped his fingers, it was just people like what yeah. she did, you know, destroyed buildings and, yeah. you know, like, so. oh, it destroyed a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> so basically her, her brilliant plan is to bring the earth back to equilibrium by releasing the Titans. Now mm. the Titans are all kinds of monsters that Monarch has known about, but they are kept in secret bases all around the world. Um, this kind of reminded me of uh, Transformers, actually, because when they when they get to quote unquote Monster Zero, which is hidden in I, under the ice in Antarctica, uh, it totally reminded me of uh, NB One, which was what they called Megatron when they had Megatron <laughs> on ice at the Hoover Dam. Um, but yeah, so that's that's their brilliant plan, and really, it's a it's a terrible terrible idea so they know the locations of where these monsters are but it is apparent that they don't know what these monsters do that they are trying to awaken and the way that she wakes the way that emma wakes them up is uh again that sonar device that her and mark kind of developed as a project she has combined a bunch of the titan frequencies and has created sort of a master alpha sound and when that sound is played the titans kind of fall in line and and are docile so they basically are following a false alpha to kind of keep them in check or at least that's what she hopes is going to happen um it works the first time she tries it is when she wakes up mothra who at the time mothra is still a larva so she does not have those beautiful beautiful moth wings um but that uh, kind of all goes to hell from there. So when they get to Antarctica and they wake up Monster Zero, turns out that they didn't do any of their homework like Monarch did. And Monster Zero is not even of this earth. Monster Zero is believed to have fallen from the stars according to ancient Chinese lore. Um, and that is why Monster Zero, who is actually uh, Ghidorah, why Ghidorah and Godzilla don't get along because Ghidorah is also an alpha, but he's sort of like an evil <laughs> like villain, villainous <laughs> alpha. Um, so, but the, the best part about this movie to me is that it wastes no time in getting to the monsters. So when they go to Antarctica, well, before they go to Antarctica, actually, we actually have a face-off between Godzilla and um, the military branch of this monarch association <laughs> underwater 
uh, which is actually kind of cool to see Godzilla staring down these guys in this uh, underwater facility. Um, so they're following Godzilla. They track his pattern to Antarctica and somebody is like, oh crap, Antarctica has Monster Zero. So now they're all panicking. By the time they get there, it's too late, of course. Monster Zero has been broken out of the ice. Turns out he is a evil, ugly, real mean, electricity-spitting, three-headed dragon. Um, so Ghidorah takes this film to a different level, in my opinion, because Godzilla took some time to come into his like ult- ultimate form in the 2014 film. And we really don't get to see Godzilla at his best until the very end of the film. This time, we face Godzilla is facing an overpowered opponent at the very beginning. I'm talking we're 25 minutes into this film, um, and we've already got this massive, massive scene. Lots of people are dead at this point. They get caught up. Uh, some of them have been electrocuted by the dragon, <laughs> by Ghidorah. <laughs> um, people get stepped on. Poor Sally Hawkins. Sorry, spoiler alert. So as much as we loved her in the first film, uh, she gets trampled by Ghidorah in this film. It's very tragic. Uh, but it, it just kind of sets the tone immediately that this thing is unbeatable. And so now we've got a monster movie with the good guy from the last film and a new bad guy, which is always the best way to do a monster sequel, so to speak. You can't just have the good guy like roaming around like you got to give the good guys a a pretty good foil and i i just i really appreciated the way that they put all that effort into Ghidorah. and again it felt like this un it felt like fighting a like a video game boss like you know i've got three levels left to beat this game and i cannot get past this boss like everything godzilla tried he tried biting heads off the heads grow back he tried um shooting his fire breathing blue radiation thingy yeah. i don't know what you even call that it's um, like fire it's like fire breath isn't it but yeah it but it's got to be like really really hot fire because it's blue yeah. um so he tries shooting that that doesn't work basically Ghidorah kind of absorbs it and shoots it back at him as lightning um so everything godzilla tries like nothing is working and so as as you're watching the film you just kind of get more and more frustrated and it starts to get like more and more dire as the film goes on right because now oh they go to mexico and they release rodan and rodan is a fire demon so he unleashes like he is stored in stasis in a volcano and when they wake him up of course the volcano erupts and now this little village in mexico is being decimated by a volcano and a fire breathing bird basically he looks like a giant thunderbird um but like so now you've got a new villain. And what I also loved about this film is that these monsters have names. We don't have lame associations like Muto, which is m- massive, uh, massive unidentified terrestrial organism. So they actually have real names. We've got Ghidorah. We've got um, Rodan. We've got a whole bunch of other. There's actually, I want to say, eight total titans in this film, even though they don't all really do much so we we met mothra we've got godzilla we've got Ghidorah, we've got rodan you've got another muto which we met in the 2014 film so there's another muto that gets awakened there's another one called a skilla which is a spider that gets awakened um there's another one that kind of looks like a, a woolly mammoth it's called the behemoth 
that one got woken up and then there's the one that's like a rock creature that kind of looks like a mountain um and that was methuselah so all of these titans and i'm wondering like how many of these guys are going to show up in the next film uh since especially since they all presented their fealty i guess to godzilla at the very end where they just kind of bowed down to him and recognized him as as their leader mm-hmm. um honestly it sounds terrible but like i really didn't care about the people in this movie <laughs> like, i was so interested in seeing kind of it's kind of like they they gave the monsters and the titans so much personality in this film that you you just get to watch them work it out in their own heads like you, you get to watch Godzilla work it out for himself. You get to watch Ghidorah figure things out for himself. Um, so it's just, it's, it's seriously, what did, what did Steven say in the first episode that we did of this? What Ken Watanabe said, let them fight. Yeah. yeah. This, this movie is the ultimate, like, let them fight. Uh, we get so many monsters fighting each other. You've got Mothra who fights for Dan. You've got Ghidorah who fights everybody. I mean, it's it's just a non-stop giant monster battle and it's it's perfect if if that's the kind of stuff that you like if you like the big action sequences if you like the big monster battles it this is the movie for you there there is not much character development here um we kind of have a broken family that unfortunately sort of stays broken um by the end of the film emma sacrifices herself probably because of her guilty conscience for unleashing these titans in the first place mm-hmm. so now we're left with just mark and uh and madison so who knows what if if they're even going to be in this next film who knows what what that's going to oh, look yeah. like yeah no, they, they are, yeah so it's just it's interesting so we've we've lost our connections to the first film now mm-hmm. we we've lost ken watanabe he sacrificed himself to save godzilla we lost uh Sally Hawkins, who was Dr. Graham, I believe. She got stepped on by Ghidorah early on in the film. Uh, we have lost Emma, who was the one who created this device. Now, the device is still around. It needs some work to be uh, functioning again, but the device is still around. The Orca is what it was called. Um, I mean, we've lost so many people. However, the eco-terrorist, Charles Dance, still around and uh, apparently buying titan body parts on the black market so it's going to be very interesting to see if because he finds he stumbles upon uh uh, some shady dude selling one of Ghidorah's heads that is still fully formed very much decomposing but it's it's a fully formed head so is there a way to reawaken this head so that the rest of the body grows back? Are we going to have to deal with Ghidorah in this next film as well? Um, so this, this film does a good job of setting up uh, a whole bunch of what ifs for the next film, while at the same time really kind of solidifying Godzilla's status in this Titan realm. But at the same time, it kind of it took a weird turn toward the end to me because we go from monsters fighting and, and being like the center of attention to now the humans are trying to get in to the monster fights, but they're like trying to wage a ground war against these giant monsters. And it's like, this is not going to work out in your favor guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's basically like ants fighting elephants. Uh, so I thought that was a, a weird way to end the film, but I guess they wanted the people to be the heroes instead of, the monster to be the hero i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but 
I it was a great addition, I think, to this monster franchise, and uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited that we actually got to see more Titans. I'm excited that these Titans actually had names as opposed to just having government issued designations. Um, and I really, I, I did actually love a lot of these characters. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown was so great. She she's kind of she starts out as like torn between her two parents, um, and then she slowly starts to realize that her mom has gone off the deep end, yeah, and yeah. her mom has literally gone full blown terrorist. And she's kind of like, what the hell have I gotten myself into? Um, so it's it's nice to see her kind of flip sides and make decisions for herself instead of continuing to follow in in one of her bad parents footsteps uh so it'd be interesting to see where she goes from here without her mother's sort of influence anymore um but yeah this i mean movie, i love this, say, movie. This, movie, this movie is like um a larger scale version of the Sky, uh, Kong Sky Island movie. Because, mm-hmm. so, I mean, again, humans, I mean, I know that there was a big gap here, but humans still not really, you know, where's his, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Samuel Jackson, sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was getting confused then. Uh, Samuel Jackson's character last episode, we, we talked about how he was still at war. And right. he, 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 you know, even though they, even though Kong was defending himself, he was he, he was just so driven by wanting to, to go to war. Yeah, he he wanted to take um, Kong down regardless of the repercussions. Right, but actually, Kong was the gatekeeper, keeping everybody on the island safe. Mm-hmm. And and the same thing we see in this movie was you know we've got humans that are like no no, no this is new Godzilla, and then actually we're like oh crap actually we need Godzilla right because uh, he was actually keeping the balance and keeping everyone uh, uh you know at bay now. Mm-hmm. When they alluded to the fact that Monster Zero might be from an alien planet, I was like, I mean, I, I did see this movie obviously when it came out, but I'd forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, actually, that's quite a cool thing because at this point, it's all fairly grounded. And, right. and I felt like maybe these monsters kind of came out of the woodwork from radiation and things like mm-hmm. that like over the years. So what if Monster Zero is not from radiation and, and evolution or whatever, or a prehistoric creature from before man, then where the hell did this Monster Zero come from? It's from right. an alien planet. Like, I mean, I'm assuming that we're never going to touch on where he came from. Right. Like, you know, I'm assuming that they're not wanting to go down getting a spaceship together and jumping on a, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, I don't think the movie sp- has advanced that far unless there's a massive, like, 500 year time jump and then yeah. the next <laughs> film after this we go into monsters in space or like a prequel movie just to show us where monsters but then again yeah. there'd be no humans so would would people just want to sit there and watch a um <laughs> like just a just pure monster movie <laughs> no but, like, i don't think they would but oh yeah so i wanted to talk about the actors actually so carl chandler do you know what the first time i ever saw him in anything was a tv show called early edition Okay, okay. Did, did you ever see Early Edition? I never watched it, but I do know that show. Like I watched like maybe the first season. I think it was like four seasons or something. And the first, it was basically it's a very simple premise. Um, today's today's new sorry tomorrow's newspaper arrives today. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would always get tomorrow's newspaper, and it would have things in there like so and so died in a car accident or bank robbery or whatever it was. And he would always um, 
a bit like the hero complex so he would use it to be a hero but even though the paper would be published with lottery numbers or um gambling number gambling results he would never use it for for monetary gain so mm-hmm. he had he had two friends that were kind of like his sidekicks and one of them uh, one of the guy there was a man and a woman and one of the guys would always have a go at him and say come on man like you know this 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 is you know when a couple of mil he's like no He's like, you know, we earn enough to live, kind of thing. I kind of that's all I vaguely remember. But ever since ever since watching early edition with Carl Chandler, I've always liked him, like as an actor. Like whenever I see him in something, and I remember like years ago he did a couple of episodes of Grey's Anatomy, and I was like, oh, I love this guy. Like he's just <laughs> whenever I see him in anything, I just know he's a really good actor. I just feel like I wish he could be in more. So I'm really pleased that he's also going to come over to the next movie of Kong versus Godzilla. So I'm pleased with that and. Vera as well, like Bates Motel. She was so good in the TV adaption of Bates Motel. Vera's good in like, everything. Oh yeah, yeah, no, she is. But I, I loved her in Bates Motel. And then Millie Bobby Brown, like she is amazing in everything. We we talked about it in the Nola Holmes, and I love Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And she's just getting better and better as an actress in everything she's in. And just to see like the emotion, I don't know. I think she's what somewhere between sixteen and eighteen now or something. And think about how, like the range of of acting of of you know, of being an actress that she's got at that age. So, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that she is billed as like a top person in this movie franchise. And I love seeing just her aggression towards her mother. And she, ref- like you just said earlier about, you know, she sees her mother becoming yeah. the, the villain and she just starts crying and calls her mother a, a monster. Yeah. And, um, I thought it was cool how she was rebellious and like actually snuck off and yeah. start, start I mean, I thought that that was a really plans. stupid decision to stay there and wait for Ghidorah to show up. That was, that was just bad judgment but like I really did appreciate that she she took in her surroundings she she kind of took an inventory and she realized for herself like this is bullshit and she like confronts her mother and she's like you said we were going to be rebuilding so her mother obviously never hid it from her what the what the plan was but like I guess it 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 just shows a maturity beyond her age so to speak like the, that the child eventually realized like this is wrong like mm. I, I understood what you were talking about before we started doing this but now that we have started the circumstances have changed and we need to change because we shouldn't be doing this mm. um, and for her to call her mom out on it and she kind of even invoked you know her her dead brother and was kind of like is this what Andrew would want like no and you know that he wouldn't want want us to be doing anything like this mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I love how she was kind of strong. Um, I'm just, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, I can't, I am so stoked now that we're done with this, uh, with the first three films. Like, I am so stoked for April when we finally get Godzilla versus Kong. And I hope I'm not, like, overhyping it for myself. Um, but- I watched the trailer after I finished this, um, uh, I finished this. Uh, the other day and then i watched the trailer straight after and I, i'm pretty sure i watched the trailer before but um i've been watching, avoiding it watching the trailer now having seen the three like we've been watching weekly yeah it it, it does make me i do think i kind of can see where this may be going like why mm-hmm. kong fights godzilla i think i won't say anything if you're not seeing the trailer but well i can think why the godzilla kong match happens but it does make me interested because if all the all the sort of monsters are bowed down to kong 
like, sorry, bowed down to Godzilla, like, what on earth chance does Kong stand? Like, or, you know, is it going to be Ghidorah and Kong versus, you know, Godzilla and the rest of the monsters? I don't, I don't know where this is going, but it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be probably it's one of the biggest. It's going to be massive, right? Oh, it's going to be one of the biggest monster sort of mashups going. Yeah. Like, you know, this is, I, I am excited. It's a shame that we probably, neither of us will be able to see this at a cinema. So, um, I know it's meant to come out in a couple of weeks. I know you're, you've got it on HBO Match, uh, Max. We've probably got it on Sky or something like that, or pay per view or something like that over here. Yeah. And it's probably unlikely to we'll probably get to see it in the cinema, but like it is a big screen movie, though. Like it would be, yeah, amazing. it's almost kind of disappointing to not, but supposedly, I don't know. Supposedly, I've heard that uh, movie theaters are thinking about reopening mid April. So maybe. Yeah, it would be. The, the, this is the kind of movie to see uh, on a big screen. So. Yeah. But no, I'm glad we worked our way through these films. It's been really cool to do that. Yeah, and, it's been um, so much fun. So, like, so this is definitely 100% my kind of genre. And now I'm just bummed that they couldn't make uh, the Godzilla Kongverse mesh with the Kaiju-verse, because I also love Pacific Rim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so brings our reviews to a close and we'll come to our recommendations. So something I've been alluding to throughout this episode, um, I started probably about a month ago now doing a rewatch. So I watched these all when they came out. So it's been really cool to rewatch the Marvel Netflix TV series. Um, I've been watching them in chronological order, literally going straight into one another. Um, so my wife has never watched them and I've been, I, what? Like she'd never watched any of them and she was never keen to watch them. And I've been at her for years about watching them. And I said to her about like, I finally convinced her to watch Daredevil. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. Let's watch it. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then when I got her into Daredevil, like, I was like, so would you consider <laughs> watching all of them or do you want to just stick to Daredevil? And initially she was like, okay, I'll watch them all other than Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones doesn't appeal to me. I was like, look, why don't we just watch a couple of Jessica Jones? <laughs> like, and then she's like, actually, she's like, it's a lot better than I thought it was. And then so as we keep going, like whatever. The one thing we, we do agree on, Luke Cage is way too long. 13 episodes is way too long for Luke Cage. Like it was, it should have been 10 episodes. They should, you know, the first seven episodes of Luke Cage was really strong. Um, and then like the like the back five or six episodes were just so dull like they they could have put those into two or three episodes even if they were two or three longer episodes yeah we could have lost the whole tighter. prison episode for sure like oh well the prison episode was a good backstory for how he got his powers but i think there i think there was too much slow down and backstory sort of following that but i i what i love about this is how well executed they are heading into defenders this whole show has been you can see just even small things like you know like the character of turk in daredevil season mm-hmm. one two showing up, showing up in luke, luke cage and like i remember like he's in um when he's an episode of um luke cage and he's like i'm 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 getting out of here you lot crazy like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm heading back to hell's kitchen like and you know and even like things like the uh, solicitor from jessica jones um yeah uh what's it hogarth how she's in oh, sort yeah. of maybe three episodes of um, iron fist yeah but you also see her in like a, a scene or two in daredevil and 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 just like the reporter from luke cage has a, a glimpse on a on a tv screen in iron fist and it actually does feel like a very, really well done joined approach. But one of the things I love as well is following the character of Claire Temple, played yep. by Rosia Dawson. 
and actually she does have an ongoing story arc throughout all of the all of the shows so which is something i had to really appreciate the first time around like i just i'm actually really loving watching it and i know iron fist was a show that's really criticized but i actually really love iron fist like i i'm i'm now we're now halfway through iron fist and i'm just like i'm so excited to get to the end because I really love the Defenders miniseries. Seeing the four characters come together was just so good. And and I know I know what comes next. Um, obviously, all the shows finish. Um, but I love how in one of the Luke Cage episodes in season two of Luke Cage, the Iron Fist shows up and they have a Power Man and Iron Fist team up episode. Yeah. And um, I haven't even got to the Punisher shows yet. The Punishers were so good. Oh, but, I was shocked at how good the Punisher series was. I honestly John Berenthal uh, was like born to play this role. He is so good. Oh, uh, he, he is, is so yeah. good. I honestly think that if Marvel don't bring back all of these actors and actresses to play Jessica, Matt Murdock, and I mean Disney Plus may not be the best place, but they own majority share in Hulu, stick it on there. They, I mean, they'll have to over here stick it on Disney Plus because they don't have a thing in the UK. Um, but they but they do you have adult but content? Disney Plus said that they are very interested in bringing adult programming to the platform by 2022. So they, they well, they have um, on here now, they launched something called Star over here, which is where all the adult content is. Mm-hmm. And you just have to type, like, you can set up to type in a PIN number. And like, if you, if you, you know, if you're concerned that your children are going to go into your profile. So I honestly want them to bring this back. Bring it, please bring it back. Like, especially like Iron Fist. So, I mean, the only show that really ended with a nice bow around it was Daredevil. But all of the rest of them end with some sort of cliffhanger. Um, I don't think The Punisher ended on a cliffhanger, but all of the others do. And I just want them to come back. But what I want to see is more team-ups, a much more connected um sort of universe I, I would love to so what the other thing i didn't realize was while re-watching all of these shows so i've been talking about this way too long now but one of the thing is although i didn't think they played too much about the marvel universe as a whole they actually do talk about it but maybe in a it's more realistic incident. way yeah the incident and but it's even like things like um in cage season one how the main villain um Oh, I've forgotten his name. The main villain of season one of Luke Cage. Um, he his he builds this um, metal gloves and suit, mm-hmm. which is all made from alien parts from the ship. And mm-hmm. he, he's actually talking about. It. And I was like, oh wow! So they actually used that idea before Spider Man Homecoming did with um, the Vulture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh okay. So like actually, the, the Marvel Netflix TV series did it first. And and in Luke Cage as well, you've got a guy selling um, bootleg DVDs, um, yep. saying you know from the alien invasion, and, mm-hmm. uh, and so it, it actually is so good that that Netflix TV series is like it's probably some of the best TV series that Marvel have done. So I know I'm talking about we're not talking about Falcon, but I, I, those TV shows are so good. Like yeah. yeah, they they were very very well done. I've been talking about this like with lots of people that I work with and even customers. Because like you know, like you're at, you know, everyone's like, oh, there's only so much Netflix you can watch, and I say I'm working my way through this, and some people have actually said, oh, I've never watched that, like, and a lot of few people have now gone off and started watching it off the back of me telling them. <laughs> so, but anyway, look at you being a geek influencer. Like anyway, that is my recommendation. I know it's a lot, but literally Google Marvel Netflix TV shows in chronological order and just start watching it. Like it's they're just so good. They're totally fun. Um, I am back to my normal self. My recommendation this week is an anime. It is season three of Fruits Basket, which the whole season has not actually premiered yet, but Funimation released the first episode early. This is the third and final season of this series. 
This series surprises me with every episode. It is so heartfelt. It is so endearing. It is it's so like gut-wrenching. Like this this series has literally everything. It is also freaking hilarious. Um so Fruits Basket season 3 picks up right where season 2 left off. Uh Toru is dead set on breaking the Soma curse, the Zodiac curse. Um and now that she knows what's going to happen to Kyo if she doesn't, she's even more set to kind of break this curse and and we're kind of getting to the point where the relationships in the series are solidifying. So Yuki has said that, uh, you know, I, I love Toru, but like, I kind of love Toru in like a, a maternal motherly kind of way, um, leaving the door open for Toru and Kyo to kind of finally come together. Um, again, the series is so great. The first time I read the description, I passed over the series so many times. Um, it's, the new episodes are streaming on Funimation, but older episodes are on Netflix if you ever want to give it a browse. But literally, the the description of the series is so stupid. It, it literally says, a girl meets this family, and when she touches a member of the opposite sex, they turn into an animal. And it's kind of like, that sounds like the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard in my life. But seriously, this show is so, 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 so good. And it has so, so much heart. Uh, I love it. I, I love this show so much that I even watch both the Japanese version and the English version because both casts are phenomenal. Anyway, my recommendation this week, be sure to watch Fruits Basket season three, final season. So good. Um, I actually have seen Fruit Basket somewhere like pop up. like Yeah, on Netflix, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I heard you mention it a few times, actually. So I, I, I may... I will watch it. Like, <laughs> uh, there's just so much to watch. Like I, yeah, yeah. now, now because of that, that Marvel Netflix thing, it was a big thing to start. Oh like, yeah. Um, I like, can't even believe Defenders is around the corner, and and then there's still like another five or six seasons of stuff to watch after that. So, but anyway, uh, I will return to normal viewing in about three months' time. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Netflix. Uh, Netflix next next week. Sorry, next week. Sorry. Next week, Netflix in my head. Next week, we will be reviewing the first three episodes of Invincible. And for this month's pilot season, we are going to stick with our Monster March movie thingy. Um, and we were thinking about well, what kind of TV show fits in with a monster thing. And I, and it was like, actually, do you remember as a kid, there was a show that had a monster of the week. We are and taking was, it way back. Yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We're going to review the pilot, Day of the Dumpster. So we will, you know, we'll, you know that was the classic kids monster. monster. There was a monster every episode. So yeah. uh, And uh, apologies in advance, because I am definitely going to be singing the theme song when, <laughs> when we do that episode. So oh, my apologies. Don't, uh, don't make that sound, Mark. <laughs> Like you know, Power Rangers was the show that like you, you could you couldn't admit you liked like you know like as a kid. It was oh like, yeah, it made oh, you yeah. totally uncool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, next week that is. <laughs> and don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our fifth lead to the party book club was March Volume One by Andrew Iden and John Lewis. 
that episode dropped at the end of uh, February. And the next book club that we're going to be doing, we're taking a break for this month. Uh, next up, we've got Akira, Volume 1 by Katsuhiro Otomo. You can also follow us on social media. We are Geeks Unleashed on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, my personal um, Twitter is Mark, just Mark Brassington at Twitter. So, And you can find me at Fiore Bianca. And you can also listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, tune in. We are everywhere. So be sure to give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week. Have a good week. Bye.